This podcast is divided into two parts. Part one. Today we are talking to Samia Mounts. Samia, can you give our listeners a brief summary of your relationship with Yongsan Garrison? Sure. Thank you, John. Uh, I originally arrived in Seoul, Korea, in the summer of 1989. I turned six years old that summer. Wow. And um, we pretty quickly moved on to Yongsan Garrison. Lived there for four years of my whole elementary school experience, basically. Left for a couple of years and then came back when I was in the middle of eighth grade and I graduated from high school on Yongsan. So for me, my relationship with it, it's my hometown. Oh, it's great. The closest thing to a hometown that any military kid has. Anyway. Oh, super, super. Well, when was it that you first came to Yongsan? 1989, summer. 1989. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, uh, uh, well, you were a, you were a you're a child, a dependent. I was going into the second grade. <laughs> now, I, as I recall, your father was active duty Lieutenant Colonel Air Force at the time. Yes, he was a JAG lawyer. Yeah, okay. All right. And then, um, um, do you have a particular skill or unusual or unique talent or something that well, you can share with us? Yeah, um, I've been a singer since I was very young. I started performing publicly at the age of four. Wow. Uh, I did my first musical at the age of five, and when I got to Korea at the age of six, I was ready to keep performing. So that was something that I was very active in on bass and off as a young child and as a teenager. A lot of singing, a lot of performing. Mm. Oh, great. Um, did you have any knowledge about Korea before you came? I, 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 I know in the first time you came fairly young, but, but you'd been here before. Uh, I mean, and then you came back again. Right. But coming back again at an older age, you already had some preconceptions based on your early time. Yes. But was there something different when you came the second time? Well, my experiences coming back were uh, colored heavily by the fact that in the couple of years in between, we were living in Los Angeles. Oh. So by then, I was like your full little performer kid. And my parents were very supportive, so I had an agent, I was going to auditions, I was getting to do some really cool performances. And so the news of us going back to Korea, which came quite suddenly, uh, was a bit of a bummer for me at that <laughs> point, because I felt like I was starting my career you know, at, at the age of 10, 11, 12 years old. <laughs> but I will tell you that the first time we were coming, I do have a very vivid memory of being extremely excited about, about moving to Korea. I thought that uh, Korean women were so beautiful, and I was hoping, this is my five-year-old mind, I was hoping that if I lived there long enough and ate enough of the food, I would start to look Korean. <laughs> <laughs> I was very disappointed when that didn't pan out, <laughs> but that was, that was what I thought going in. I was really, I was hopeful. <laughs> okay. Um, now, uh, yeah. Can you remember and talk about your first conversation with a Korean? And again, rather than when you were younger, which may not be as memorable, but later when you came back. You know, when I was still in school, our life on the base was insular in a lot of ways. So I had a lot of interactions with Korean people who worked on base, and uh, some of our teachers at the school were Korean. 
Um, it wasn't until I was a freshman in high school and I started doing voice acting work uh, and singing session jobs off base that I was interacting with a lot of Koreans. And probably the first one I had a, a really strong personal relationship with was my agent, who used to pick me up every day after school at one of the gates, the Tongbui Chondong gate, mm -hmm. and he would take me to my jobs and bring me back. Um, so, uh, yeah, once I started working, then I was, I was, you know, speaking with lots of Koreans on a daily basis, and that's when I started to understand the language a little bit and the culture a lot more than I did before. Before that, it was all sort of filtered through the military community, like the educational opportunities that are afforded to us as military dependents living in a foreign country. But it got immersive when I started working after mm. school. Well, you mentioned... Uh the Dongbuichandong Gate. Yeah. And for the people who were th here at the time you were here, that was gate, gate number 17. Gate 17. Gate but 17. Quick gate, walk from my school. And it's, now it's gate 13. I know. It's so confusing. Right. I don't know right. any of the gates anymore. Right. Because <laughs> uh, when the uh, Colonel Huber was here as the commander, he got the bright idea, I don't know where from, <laughs> to renumber the gates for the newcomers coming into Yongsan. Why? And I... And I didn't know why either. I yeah. said, wait a minute, all the people who have been here for centuries, you know, know the gate numbers. Yep. And you change that. Yep. And they, and they didn't change in confused. a logical way. They right. changed in kind of a random way. Right. So it seemed and like the same system, but just with different numbers. <laughs> Man, that, threw, that throws me off still. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, well, you already talked a little bit about, um, uh, you know, your talent in bringing that to Korea. Um, so, um, oh, I was going to ask, were you ever involved in voicing any of the Simpsons stuff? The Simpsons? Yeah. No. They don't do the voicing here. That's all done in the States. They do the colors here. Well, because I talked to somebody who did some voicing for the Simpsons. Here? Yeah. Out gate, old gate 19 by the Yongsan post office gate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there was a little shop back in there huh. and they were doing the voices for the Simpsons in there I've, with some foreigners. Yeah. I've never voiced anything for the Simpsons here and I'm very surprised to find that that ever happened and I'm guessing it was probably only looping stuff which is background noise because all of the main characters of the Simpsons are based in the States, mostly in LA. Well, I would think so too, but it just kind of was a little shocking, you know? But I have done something else that people may have heard of here. Oh. I was the voice of Pororo, the penguin, very mm. famous Korean animated character. He's a little penguin with a little fighter helmet and goggles on. And I played him for a 52 episode season, uh, which was dubbed into English for Arirang TV. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that was one of my bigger animation jobs here. Ah, well, cool. Okay. Wait, do you want to hear the Pororo voice? Yeah, go ahead. Hi, I'm Pororo. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Okay. I learned how to do that here in Seoul, Korea. <laughs> <laughs> well, now um, you've come back to Korea. Yes. Can you tell me a little bit about, you know, you've come back a number of times. Yes. And what, what was that reason? When I was in my mid-20s, I moved, I, I had spent uh, about eight years going back and forth from here to the States, going to different colleges and figuring my life out. Uh, and I kept returning to Seoul to work. When I moved to New York in 2008, I was ready to get out of Seoul. I was so sick of the work here I wanted a change and I was I was super happy to be leaving 
It took me by surprise when my homesickness for Seoul kept getting stronger every year and I found myself returning over and over again for visits um, and the homesickness never eased up. It just got stronger. Over the course of the last 10 years, I went from thinking I'll never come back to Korea except maybe a visit now and then to thinking, God, I would like to live here again. I, I've missed it so much and it makes me so happy to be here and just to be in this city, to be surrounded by this beautiful culture, all these great people, this exciting expat community, the art scene, the music scene. There's so much to do. There's so many people I love here. And I just, I walk down the streets of Seoul with a, a spring in my step and a big smile on my face, even when the weather is terrible, because I'm just happy to be here. So, um, so yes, I'm back for a little while now, probably spend some good time here this year. And I, I'm so happy. I'm just thrilled. Well, I remember you wrote Frunk the Skunk. Yes. So my... can you tell us, what, how did this come about? Frunk the Skunk was a stroke of good luck for this um, three-time college dropout. <laughs> I was in my early 20s. I was about to transfer into a new college, the Boston Conservatory, and I was back in Korea making some money while I uh, got ready to go do that. And my two best friends here, who are also voice actors, had a children's book publishing company that they started as a side project. And they'd been doing picture books, and they decided they wanted to uh, publish a young adult novel. They had seen some samples of my writing, and they thought I would be the person to do it. So they handed me a very loose concept and said, if you write a book and it's good, we will publish it. And I thought, published author sounds great when you don't have a college <laughs> yeah. degree. So, so I was like, all right, I'll write a book. And I wrote a book over the next two years. Uh, they published it when I was, I think, 24 or 25, something like that. And uh, I'm, I'm still extremely proud of it. And it takes place on Yongsung Garrison. It's not autobiographical, but the main character does share some personality qualities with me. Uh, and certainly the setting is what I knew growing up. The characters are in the, um, I think the 7th and 8th grade or the 6th and 8th grade, something like that. Oh gosh, I've forgotten my own book. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I described the base exactly as it was when I was growing up there. Kept the geography the same because since then it's, it's been modified a little bit to accommodate a helipad on South Coast. Uh, so everything in the book, if you went to Seoul American Middle School or elementary school or high school uh, in the late 90s, you would recognize the version of Yongsan Garrison that I wrote about. Now, um, I hear that you're considering possibly doing a, uh, an update, a sequel. I don't know what they call it. So I would really like to get the book republished because that publishing company that my friends ran uh, went under years ago. So, and they gave me the rights to my manuscript back. So I want to repolish it, I want to re-edit it, um, maybe add some detail and make it better with my 10 years now of writing experience that I didn't have then, and, uh, and have the book republished. And then, if that happens, I would very much like to write the sequel, which I started back in 2008. Uh -huh. uh, the sequel has the main character, Taryn Frunk, leaving the base and going on a little three-day adventure 
where she's missing and everyone's looking for her and it's very exciting. Ah, she makes okay. friends with a, a Korean girl who's also an artist, and uh, yeah, that's all I'll tell you for now because I actually don't know what happens because I haven't written it yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, now the the first front the skunk is it available somewhere? It's still available on Amazon.com, although the remaining copies grow fewer and fewer. So, you know, get your copy now. Just search for Frunk the Skunk by Sammy Amounts on Amazon and you'll find it. There are some uh, copies available new and some used. Now, are there Kindle versions or this is just a hard copy? When we published it, there was no, it was before Kindle. So, right, right. yeah, there, there was never a Kindle version, but I'd be open to that with the, the new publishing if that happens. Okay. Well, great. Now, I know that your parents were very active in the Youngsan Garrison. Your mom was teaching over at the school. Yeah. Your dad was uh, heavily engaged in uh, legal work mm-hmm. as a uh, lawyer. And then he wound up in the uh, SOFA. The, yeah, uh, the SOFA secretary position. position. He, yeah. he, he followed uh, uh, Carol Hodges when right. Hodges retired. Right. I remember Mr. Hodges. Yeah. And actually, that's why we moved back when I was in eighth grade was because... He had retired from the Air Force by that point, but he got the SOFA secretary position, so he came back for that. And my mom ended up going from being a teacher to becoming the assistant principal of first the middle school and then the elementary school. Mm. So my parents both moved up. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, uh, and I've known them over the years that they were here as well. Um, uh, You know, it's, it's not strange. I've been here over 50 years. Yeah, and, wow. And, and, and I've seen people come and go. Yeah. So it's always exciting to see somebody come back. Yeah. Now, I this September, the Soul American High School alumni will have a reunion. Are you plugged into that? I'm not. Where is that the Las Vegas one? No, no, here in Seoul. Oh, here in Seoul? Yeah, the people are coming oh, here. Oh, right at the Dragon. That's They're right. Stay. There's a special package the yeah. Dragon is offering to the alumni of SAS. I did I did hear about that. I, there's a very solid chance I will be here that, then. Like, okay. I will just be here. Yeah, I'm it's like in the middle of September for yeah. about 10 days or something. Because I think right now, I think I'm going to end up coming. I'm leaving in mid-April. I think I'm going to come back at the beginning of June and stay for a stretch. So there's a good chance I will be here anyway, but I will make every effort to be here uh, whether or not I'm already here because that sounds like a lot of fun. Well, I, I, I've talked to some people who said they're going to come back or I saw their response to the Facebook entry. Yeah, oh, gee, I'm going to go. I'm going to come. Man, we don't get to have <laughs> normal high school reunions like, like other people who grew up in more conventional locations. Right, because you'll have them in Washington, D.C., or you'll yeah. have them in Las Vegas well, we or Dallas, students, Texas. Right. You know, we have students around. there for a year or two, and then they'd be gone. So there is no continuity, um, and it's hard for people to get to Seoul. So, yeah, I've never been to any of the reunions that have happened, and I really want to go to one because I'm one of those people who got better since high school. (laughs) (laughs) Look at me now. (laughs) I just want everyone to see. I was super socially awkward and chubby and didn't know how to present myself in high school, and now I'm... I'm not as socially awkward and I'm definitely not as chubby and I know how to present myself so I want everyone to see what I did with all this. <laughs> oh, that's funny. You know, um, I, I, um, I think back uh, at the time when I came and I came in 1965. Yeah. So I've seen folks, you know, come and go and, and now a lot of folks that come back 
instead of being assigned to Yongsan, they're now assigned to Camp Humphreys down yeah. in Pyeongchang. Yeah. And at the Some moment... Some of my friends. Yeah, at the moment, you know, this is what, the 2nd of February of 2018, and already the headquarters of 8th Army and the dependent population with that have moved down to Humphreys. Mm -hmm. This coming summer, I'm told that United States forces Korea and their families are going to be moving down. Yeah. And I, I, I'm assuming you've been on Yongsan mm -hmm. a few times, and you've seen the changes, mm -hmm. the reduction in services and activities. What do you feel you miss the most about on, on Yongsan now? I mean, were there some special places that you went to on Yongsan? The only place that I really miss that went away a long time ago, it has nothing to do with everything moving to Pyeongtaek, is the, the community theater building that we used to do shows out of when I was a kid. Um, but that was, like I said, a long time ago. We lost that because the housing office burned down and the housing office needed a new location and the most expendable building was the theater. Um, so I really, I still to this day, I, I wish I could wander through that theater. I wish I could look at it. In my mind, it, I remember it being so big and I'm pretty sure that if I could see it now, it would, it would seem much smaller and older uh, than my memories are telling me, but I still feel that I would sense the magic. Well, there was a big stage. There was a big stage. There was a big backstage. Right. There was the, you went up the rickety staircase in the very back of the backstage area where the scene shop was, and, and up the rickety stair shape, staircase, there was the costume storage space, and oh, I love, that was my favorite room because it was just like racks and racks and racks, hundreds of costumes, all <laughs> eras, all colors. They're all super dusty. It smelled musty up there because those costumes were like some of them decades old, and I just loved it. I loved it. Well, and then they had the music uh, section on the back end of the building. You know, you went around the side and had a bit yeah. side entrance. Yeah. And uh, did you ever go in there to perform or play a musical instrument or practice or anything? Nope, that wasn't my thing. I was an actor. I was a serious actor on stage. <laughs> yeah, no, I never I never was in there. I wonder why. I probably should have been. I well, you know, uh, we're going on to that stage. Since they closed the theater and they relocated to Moyer, Right. then that was a, such a small stage in comparison. Yeah, and the worst part was the backstage was so small. Oh, yeah, it was dinky. He had no place to store the props and things. Yeah, I it was remember. really, really restricted. John Wood, good guy. Well, before him was Larry Chandler. Yeah, So I it was Larry, Larry who was moved into Moyer, yeah. and he really, really was depressed about it. Yeah, it was sad for the, all of us who loved theater in the community. There was yeah. a strong little, you know, group of, of true theater lovers, thespians, if you will, uh, and that was a that was a big blow we took. So I missed that. Did you also have uh, some actors that were off post, like at Seoul Foreign School, who also participated? Did you have any interface with the people from the the other schools that that had actors? I don't remember that ever happening, but that doesn't mean it never did. Once when we were doing when I was in high school and also visiting during summer vacations in college, and we were doing shows out of the Moyer Rec Center. Yeah, we did one production of You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown, which was my idea, and I pitched it to John Wood, and he said yes. <laughs> um, oh, this was my senior year of high school, I think. And I played Lucy. 
and we did have this one kid, a Korean guy, who I think went to Seoul Foreign School playing Schroeder. Everybody else was from Saws. End of part one.